So on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to recommend the Apple Watch to a friend or family member? Oh, that's that's a really good question. I don't, I get, don't think about it too much. Just give me a number. No words. Seven. All right. So you are on trial today because okay. I think, I, I believe I can reasonably charge you with grading the Apple Watch on a curve. Hmm. What, so, what, what, do you, what do you mean by that? I mean, if anybody has listened to this show from the beginning, which I believe is, is at least a couple hundred thousand people, um, you will know the recurring theme on this program has been that we will commonly cite many review, like, like The Verge and other things that will review Android products or things that are compared to uh, market segments that Apple is dominant in, such as iPhone competitors or um, iPad competitors, and that they will generally grade on a curve where the product isn't nearly as good as what's already out there, but it just gets a pass because it's it's just not Apple. And I believe that you have been grading the Apple Watch on a curve. Um, no, I, I respectfully disagree. I, I think that I've been fairly critical of the watch on this show and when I get asked about it um, at work or wherever, and that it happens fairly frequently, you know, people people notice I'm wearing it. I'm I'm pretty honest with them and usually, you know, kind of depending on what they say they're looking for, I usually say they should probably hold off for the time being. There I think I want that we, you know, so we were talking about this a little offline because you know, we we prepare for these things sometimes. And I think the Apple Watch has the advantage of coming into a product category which is is really soft. There just really hasn't been anything close to good, quite frankly, and even with all of its faults, I still think Apple Watch is the best smartwatch. Now, that doesn't that doesn't mean that it's a great product and that everyone should just rush out and go buy one. So, but... you, so you honestly think with all its faults, it still gets a seven? It, it's, it's a product that you cite does not reliably tell you when your next appointment is. Mine routinely does not know where on the planet Earth it is. It kills jellyfish. I get half installed applications routinely uh anytime i update my apps it will automatically reinstall applications i don't actually want on here earlier today when i wanted to check uh when the giants were playing it took 35 seconds for it not to load at bat and it just spun and spun and spun and that's still worthy of a seven yes there's there's (laughs) something i'm missing um, well, just because, like, like uh, when, like, if how I would answer that question, I would probably say it's closer to a three. And I, whenever I get asked that question, because also one weird thing is maybe I'm just not like, like, I, I haven't seen one other person that isn't somebody I know with an Apple Watch, and I, I find that weird. And like, I, I can't recommend it to anybody. Because I think it's genuinely currently a really half-baked product that even like if you just throw out most of the third-party app stuff, doesn't work reliably enough if you use it for anything other than telling time. Well, so I, I really like the way that, let's, you know, let's get our Gruber mention out of the way early here. I really like the way that he looks at the watch where it almost has two modes. It has the the time telling mode, which is, you know, the watch face notifications and glances. And then it has its like honeycomb layout, third party mode, third party app mode, I should say. 
And at the way that I see the watch is I think the watch face mode is is pretty great. Um, now, you mentioned the, the calendar issue, and for people who maybe haven't experienced this or um, have experienced it and don't really know what it is, so the issue, and it, it seems like judging by Apple's support forums, it's a known issue. It's where if you have an exchange calendar, which you have synced on your iPhone, for whatever reason, when you accept events, they don't always get synced to the calendar on your watch. So if you create the event, it seems to work fairly consistently. But if someone else is creating the event and then you accept it, sometimes it gets synced to the watch, sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes even when it does, it doesn't get synced until minutes before the meeting starts. And so the outcome is that if you have the calendar complication on your watch face, you're not always seeing your very next meeting. You might actually be seeing a meeting which is happening later in the day. So that, I mean, that is a, that is a, a problem, but you know, I'm... I'm fairly confident that eventually it will it will get fixed. And I, I think outside of that, I have found the notifications, glances, and the watch face to be really great. Um, and, you know, I, I said for months going into this thing that all I was looking for out of the Apple Watch was a more robust version of the Pebble. So really, my, my, my standard personally of what I was looking for in the watch was pretty low. And I would say that with that standard in mind, the watch is about a seven out of ten. I understand your point of view, but I, I, I guess so. What? Pretend you're somebody who didn't already have a smartwatch before, and that you think that like you you never paid attention to the Galaxy Gear or any of these other crappy, let's try to beat Apple to the punch type products that made it to market. Uh, based on what Apple is advertising and suggesting, this is for do you think these people are going to get what they want out of it? Because for me, the, the the watch face part of it doesn't even work. Like I just put something in the Slack, it still has no idea where I am, no matter how many times I restart the damn thing. So like from just an outsider who sees all these applications that somebody's doing all this tracking, they're doing all this stuff on it, do you think they're going to be happy? Do you think they're really going to get a 7 out of 10 with this? Or do you think that you were just really invested in a product category already and it just happens to be marginally better than what you had before? Um, it's, it's a really hard question to answer without really knowing specifically what that person's coming into the watch for. I, th I think if they see it as being a miniature iPhone where they're going to be using lots of different apps and they're well, going they're, to they're be... seeing it how Apple's marketing it. Which, yeah, which I think actually is is somewhat that way, where they, they do advertise a lot of apps and they advertise a lot of um, interaction with the watch. Like I was actually, I was I only really know one other person who, who has the watch, a coworker of mine. And we were, we were talking about this recently where, I, th I think maybe we've talked about this between us too, where, you know, the watch really is best used when it contacts you and then you sort of reply to what it's telling you as opposed to you proactively going to the watch and initiating something, you know, creating a text message or entering a third-party app. You know, I, so I think, I think if, if you're someone coming into the watch who sees yourself using it that way, where, again, you're almost using it kind of like you use your iPhone, I, I do think you'd be disappointed, mostly because of how limited third-party apps are. And even more broadly, you know, one of the things that I've really started to notice having had the watch a little bit longer now is... You know, a, a touch screen on this small of a device just really 
isn't ideal. You know, the, the touch targets are really small. I've found a lot of the swiping to be hit or miss as to whether or not it, it works. Um, but again, I do think if you're someone like me who came into the device looking to use it more just like a kind of a more passive device similar to like a Pebble, I, I do think it works pretty well, you know, notwithstanding a couple of these bugs, which, you know, I, 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 I expect will be fixed in, you know, relatively short order. I think maybe maybe one of the things that you're getting at with kind of me grading this on a curve is I I have faith that these issues will be resolved fairly quickly, like I just said. Whereas I think with maybe some other product manufacturers, I'm less confident that the issues that we see out of the box will get fixed, or if they do get fixed, it it'll take, you know, a, a fairly extended period of time. I guess what I'm asking is that if the iPhone had these issues, would you still as wholeheartedly recommend it? Like, do you think these level of problems and inconsistencies and just general just poor design would be tolerable on an iPhone? I mean, I, th- I think we went through it on the iPhone with I don't iOS think we did. 7. I don't th- I think I think iPhone 5 with iOS 7... It, it, at least with my personal experience, you know, particularly with the random reboots I was experiencing, where my my phone was was literally restarting itself like twice a day at one point, that that was pretty bad. Yeah, that's a dark period. I already forgot. Or just tried to <laughs> shut back. I, but I mean, like with predictions or like with things that we're expecting or people are expecting that there's going to be like ten million units sold throughout the year. Do you think regular people like will put up with this or or should be expected to put up with this? No, and like that's, so that's if, if you're recommending this, then how when is the point where you say, well, it's gonna be good enough then? Um well, I, I like I said, I, I think when people ask me about the watch, my, generally my advice is, is wait. I, I haven't I don't I don't really know if I've actually ever told someone explicitly like, hey, yeah, go out and buy this right away. Well, somebody like, just asks, "Do you like it, or what do you think? What, what's what's your because because I get that question all the time too. Like, what what's your ten second answer? I say I say it's okay, and I say that it's a version one product that has a ton of room for improvement, and that there are a lot of bugs that need to be fixed, but there's also a lot of really great things about it. I I, th- I think that's a that's a pretty fair summary. I don't think that's being overly negative or positive. I, I suppose so. I I do understand what you're saying, though. I think. And, I mean, well, I guess my question is like, because you you read the same sites I do, and you, you read all this, like you read like M G Siegler and, and and Gruber and all the people that are just like saying just not not a like does Gruber say a single negative thing about the watch, really? Like other than like just giving like random cautions that oh the apps are a little bit slow, like stuff like that. Does anybody no, actually um... ever mention all the issues it has? I think there there are people out there, but I, I I do think that the people that you're mentioning, and I would include like Horace to do in this as well, where they they view the watch as being not only really good, but being actually like underestimated, and that we're going to look back a couple of years from now, and the, the watch is going to be this revolutionary thing that they're going to be surprised people didn't catch on to earlier. And I in, in two and a half generations from now, it very well probably will be. 
yeah, and you know, well, I I don't know. I mean, maybe. Um, I think a lot of the reasons that, you know, I'll use Gruber as the example, you know, he's been really, really gung-ho about the the Siri integration with Apple Watch. And, Which you know, no that, that, that hasn't been my experience at all. You know, just, just yesterday, I was out for a run and received a text message and, and tried to respond on, on Siri and um, just didn't work. Just, you know, it, it, w- it would listen to what I said. It would, it, it would eventually have the text on the screen, but when it came time to, to send it as a, a text message, I would just get an error message. Um, and then when I got home, the watch itself actually wouldn't even turn on for a few minutes. Like the screen just wouldn't turn on. So I don't know if it was rebooting itself or what, but, um, so yeah, I mean the, 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 the things that Gruber has cited as being, you know, signs that this really is a fantastic device that's just going to continue to get better. I'm a little more skeptical of, um, and going back to something I said earlier about just sort of having this small of a device be a, a touchscreen, I, I think is it's just really limiting. Similar in the way that a tablet is limiting from being or limited from being kind of like your primary computing device. Like, I don't know if that analogy makes sense, but um, I guess what I'm trying to get at is you know, I, I don't see the watch as being like a replacement for your phone because the, the the input method is just too limited. Similar to how I think a tablet is too limiting based primarily on its its input method as compared to like a traditional laptop. Yeah, I, I, I can accept that or that makes sense. And I guess to round this out, what's been your experience with Force Touch? Um, because it, I'm having it, pretty it, negative or challenging experiences getting it to activate. It's um, it, it, like like a lot of things on the watch. It's 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 very hit or miss. It it seems to work better during some moments and not as well during others. Like w- when I'm when I'm running, I find it not to work very well. Like every time um, I try to end a workout, I cannot. I, it seems to take like four different tries to do it. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. No. I. I that's that's been kind of my experience too. Um. And actually, a little bit of a tangent, but something I just noticed today, I so I, I tried a third-party running app for the first time. I tried RunKeeper, which is an app that I've used on the iPhone as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if it's just a bug with RunKeeper or if this is actually a limitation of the way third-party apps work. But you know how with the fitness app, when it's, when it's active, every time you go look at your wrist, it, it brings you to the fitness app. It doesn't bring you back to your watch face. Even if you don't look at your watch for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, it'll bring you right back to the fitness app, which is not how other third-party apps work. Uh, well, that that was what RunKeeper did is it, you know, you if you didn't look at it for a while, when you, when you went back to look at your time and whatever else you're tracking, instead, you would just go back to your watch face and then you'd have to go back into the third-party app. And And you can change that, but unfortunately, th- that applies to all settings or all applications. Yeah, so I'd have to like change that setting prior to going on a run and then change it back when I was done. Yeah, but I mean at that point that wouldn't matter because you're saying that it's uh, the watch is not something you'd use apps with anyway because it's too poor an experience. Yeah, so I guess that so that let's let's use that as kind of like a transition to something else I wanted to talk about the watch, which is you know the 
the rumors about what we're going to see at WWDC have kind of reached a, a peak. And, and one of the things that's picked up a lot of momentum the last couple of weeks is we are, we're going to see a kind of new version of WatchKit, which is going to allow for native third-party apps on the watch, which I, you know, you put a gentleman's wager out there for that not happening at WWDC. And I, I thought it would, so I should have taken you up on that. But anyway, um, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I guess I'm a little skeptical in that I, I do think that the, the slowness of apps on the watch is, is a limiting factor now. And I, I presume that having them be native on the watch will help a lot with that. But again, going back to just kind of the, the limited input method, I, I just, I don't know even if an app is native to the watch, just how useful it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I don't think native applications will really change the dynamic. Like, even if we exclude all the load times and the latency issues, I don't really see how most of the applications that are very underwhelming right now will become any less underwhelming. Or, or actually, well, I mean, I guess I don't see where they'll actually become useful is a better way to say it. Yeah, and I, you know, like a really good example of this is um, Fantastical came out today for the for the Apple Watch. And I think compared to most third-party apps that I've used, it, it's really good. Um, the glances is effective. The app itself is effective. Um, but with that being said, it, it's still not super useful. And I, I think for 95% of what I do when I'm interacting with my calendar, I'd still prefer to go to either my computer or to my phone. I guess maybe that maybe that's a way of sort of summarizing this whole idea around yeah, third-party apps, which is I just haven't really run into many situations where I find using an app on my watch to be a better or more efficient experience than just pulling out my phone. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, so what I had written in the Slack here is, you know, maybe maybe we'll look at these first round of Apple Watch apps as being sort of like the web apps on the original iPhone, like pre-App Store. And maybe maybe when we do get native apps, all of a sudden, like this whole new world will open and we'll, you know, we'll see we'll see things in apps that we, you know, couldn't have even imagined prior to having native apps. But I mean, I would, I, don't love know. To, I would love to think that, but I think the limiting factor here is screen real estate and battery life, not necessarily the depth of uh, developer access to like actual APIs and processing power. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, I think I think that's kind of where I, I land on that, too. But I mean, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely interested in seeing what Apple's going to demo. Uh, but I'm yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely I'm skeptical of how much more they can really do. Yeah. Um, well, I guess let's let's end the Apple Watch stuff on maybe a little bit more of a positive note. Um, so the other thing that I wrote down was, you know, I, there's kind of a long documented history of me on the show talking about how I've never really been compelled by fitness trackers. You know, I've had a Nike Fuel Band, I've had a Fitbit, and I just I don't know I haven't really found any of that stuff to be super compelling and they haven't really changed my workout habits but I, I you know even after you know three weeks now or however long I've had the watch I still find myself being 
pretty compelled by the the three rings, which I have as a complication on my watch face. There's just I don't know. There's something about filling those circles every day that, um, you know, I'm I, I still find myself like running a little bit more regularly now, standing more frequently, walking a little bit more. Just in general, just being a little bit more active, um, and that's again, that's not, it's not really something that with any other sort of fitness device in the past I've felt, and I don't really know exactly to, how to say why this is different, but um, it, it, it has been so far. Um, yeah, I'm I'm glad it's been the case for you. Um, I'm not sure it's really been that way with me, just because I I kind of disagree with the way that Apple seems to track and show your fitness levels. Um, and with the fuel band, I did like that it was a simpler and more like in your face way of um, showing you your progress for the day. But I do understand why the Apple Watch might do this for certain people. Like we've heard this echoed from like Marco and a lot of other um, like podcasters and, and like tech writers. But I think that that's because they were people who fitness trackers never stuck for. And the added benefit of this being like a full time watch and a notification device just puts that data in your face. So I'm not sure it's really the approach that Apple's taking to fitness tracking that's the notable part. I just think that it's there. And if somebody had been using, let's say, a um, a Fitbit Force or, or whatever the, the new ones are called, um, that it would have done the same thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, like I said, I, I guess I haven't really... I haven't really come up with a way to describe exactly why it, it's been as compelling as it's been, but... Um... Yeah, for me, it's it's been very effective. Well, good. I'm glad. All right. Well, that's uh, en- enough of the watch stuff. Um, what uh, what do you have? Uh, I think that was my topic. Me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and we'll, we'll we'll let the listeners write in. Uh, they can use the hashtag. Um, I don't know. What's the show called again? Have we ever <laughs> referred to the name of this show on the show ever? I think um, episode one, yeah, S one E one, as you say. Does anybody even know what our names are? <laughs> I, I'm I'm fairly certain that we opened that episode with a brief description of of what the show was and who we were. Yeah, but now we're on like episode 148, and I'm not sure people fell, followed all the way through. We've done a surprising number of these. That that is true. We have. Um, now we'll have to come up with something big for uh, episode 50. Maybe we got a little ways to go, but. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, let's stick a fork in the uh, Apple Watch stuff. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I guess um, my, uh, well, actually, I'm going to keep talking about it. Uh, it just, <laughs> it seems to, like, the, the conversations about it seem to just not die for a product that I don't see, like, anybody who's not a nerd having. I don't know. Uh, well, I, I think that has a lot to do with the type of websites we follow. And the type of people that we listen to. Anyway, on to more interesting conversations. Yes. Okay. What else do we have? Um. Well, I've got a couple of a couple of other things, but I don't. You know, it's your show, not mine. Well, give me anything that's not Apple. Oh. Well, shit. Let's talk about sync. Yeah. So let's let's talk about sync. So, you know, as has been well documented uh, on the show, uh, the lease is up on my my uh much maligned ford fiesta not maligned uh, which I, I, I can't well you, you, i, I, you I a, can't wait to get rid of it you have a firecracker red fiesta why, why are you unhappy Ugh. 
Um, so my, my, my plan for a while has been to, to likely purchase a Ford Escape, which is a car that I had, you know, prior to the Fiesta. And, uh, you know, one of the things that has made me hesitant about that, or I've just kind of been unsure of is, you know, back at CES this year, Ford announced Sync 3 and, you know, the reviews were pretty positive. It, it looks like a sig fairly significant upgrade to the existing Sync system, but Ford was very coy with how they were going to roll it out. They they would only say select 2016 models. And so, you know, what I was <clears throat> kind of thinking about was, well, if the Escape isn't one of those 2016 models and it doesn't end up rolling out until the 2017 model, you know, what was that going to mean for uh, my purchase decision this year? But uh, just yesterday, um, Ford officially announced that uh, the two vehicles which are going to have Sync 3 first are the Escape and actually, ironically, the Fiesta. Um, and actually nice enough for me at the, also yesterday, the Ford rolled out their official 2016 Ford escape product page, which comes with a description of sync three and everything. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. So what's, what's the big deal? So the original sync was a huge deal it was a collaboration between Ford and Microsoft. And it was kind of one of the first like ambitious in-car entertainment or like connect communication systems. So what's such the, what's the big deal about, about sync three? Is this the one that's like based on the BlackBerry thing, or is that Sync Two? So yeah, so this is based on QNX, which is the company that BlackBerry bought when they were uh, endeavoring on their their touchscreen phones. Um, and I, I guess the 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 two big things with Sync Three um, are first, just sort of the the general user interface and responsiveness of that interface is supposedly dramatically improved from previous versions of Sync Touch or My Ford Touch, whatever they called it. Um, that that seemed to be universally the complaint with with the current version of the system is that the UI was just not very intuitive and it was very unresponsive. So you know, gen generally speaking, I think that's been their their main focus out of the gate is just responsiveness and usability. Um, and then the other big deal is that they've committed to through a software update making uh, Android Auto and CarPlay. Uh, compatible with, with Sync 3. So when that update comes out, you're going to be able to switch back and forth between the Sync 3 interface and, you know, in my case, CarPlay, which, um, you know, that, that's, that's pretty nice. That seems kind of like the best of both worlds where, you know, if there's something that works particularly well in CarPlay, you can kind of switch into that mode. And if there's other things that work better in the Sync 3 interface, then you can, you know, use that. Um, so, I mean, do you think that's actually going to work well? Well, I guess the the Android Auto and CarPlay stuff is sort of an unknown because it's it's not something that's been made available yet, and it's not something that's going to be available for a while. But um, everyone's who's used Sync Three um, so far has been generally pretty positive on it, and even like all all the car kind of websites and stuff, which I've kind of started to follow a little bit, um, just as I was kind of waiting for an announcement like this. The, the general advice has been holding off on buying a Ford vehicle if, if that's the way you're going to go until the model that you are intending to buy has Sync 3. It seems to be that that big of an upgrade from, you know, the existing system. And with Sync, do they take kind of like the Lexus approach? Uh, do they try to cram every aspect of the vehicle, like including like air conditioning and that kind of stuff, into the uh, on-screen system? Or is it strictly... Uh, like radio entertainment and um, like texting and stuff. 
That's a good question. I so the, so the the version of sync that I have in in my Fiesta is the really really limited one, um, which you know just does like music. Um, and I've I've you know I've been in plenty of cars that have had um, you know the my four touch version of sync, which is the thing with the you know the big touch screen and everything. But um, I'm trying to remember if it was like air conditioning and and things like that controlled I'm, I'm not i'm not really sure okay i'm trying to as i'm kind of fumbling around with my words here i'm trying to uh pull up a picture of sync 3 and the escape and see if uh um see if there's like a picture that shows um some of the controls so i guess my while you're looking that up i guess my other question is um what are you going to do if uh, Sync 3, when you go to the dealership, is only available on the Super Deluxe Titanium Collector's Edition uh, car. Yeah, I, so I've already gone through the um, I've already gone through the website and kind of looked at that, and that that's not the case. Oh, they're just gonna be in stock. Um, it, it's part of they. So they have a like an I forget what exactly what they call it, like an equipment package or something, and it's just it's just one of the packages you can buy. Okay. It's possible that the the dealership I go to may not have the exact configuration I want, but it, it it's not a requirement to get the. So there are high end models like the titanium model. You, that's not a prerequisite to getting Sync Three. Well, wasn't that the issue when you bought the Fiesta originally, or the or like you were considering a Focus and you thought about it, but it was only available in like the super tricked out one. Yeah, but that that was just because um, that was what was available at the dealership. I, I'm I'm fairly certain I could have special ordered something. Gotcha. But I was kind of in a uh, kind of in a rush. Sure. Um. So to 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 follow to real time follow up here. Um, <laughs> Good use of the word. <laughs> based based on uh, interior photos of the 2016 Escape, it appears that the uh, air conditioning control is separate from sync. Very nice. Which you know, sure, that's fine. Well, no, certain people like uh, like Lexus try to jam it into that system, which makes it horribly difficult and unsafe to use. Right. Um, yeah, so this, this seems just to be like navigation, apps, music, that kind of stuff. Cool. And is this now totally devoid of all Microsoft DNA? Like, is that partnership over? That's my understanding, yeah. This is built built from the ground up. Gotcha. So it'd be pretty exciting. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not really like a, a huge car person. Um, the kind of the, the in-car infotainment system, I hate that phrase, but I, I can't think of a different one. Whatever sync, whatever category sync is in, I don't know. Um, just the, the user interface of the car. Um, that's what I, that's my main selling point. <laughs> Um, I, I don't, I don't care a whole lot about, you know, the type of like rims I have and about <laughs> rims. Yeah. Like we wheels, whatever. Wait. Oh. Rims, you know, like who calls them rims? I, I, I just did. I don't know. Say so I'm, I'm, I'm proving how I'm proving how little I know about cars and how little I care about cars. Um, but you know, I, so I, I think for me that this is, this is sort of like the main selling point. So you know, if I can get Sync Three in the Escape, that I'm I'm pretty much sold. Um, can the title of this episode be "Rims on a Fiesta"? Uh, please, <laughs> maybe we'll see. Okay. Well, I'm glad it's working out for you. Uh, do you have a preferred color that you think you want the car in already? I do. Yeah. What's that? Is that you think is is that what the people tune in for? Perhaps. 
Yeah, so I'm thinking um, there's a there's a color. It's a it's a blackish gray color called magnetic. Oh, like a mineral gray. Yeah, so that's similar to what I had before. Nice. Uh, but then the the interior there there are two choices with leather. There's there's black, and then there's like a, a stone color. And I I'm kind of fifty fifty. I I kind of think I kind of just need to see those in person to make a decision. Is stone more of kind of like a slate gray color? Right. Yeah. Gotcha. The the black the black seat seems like it just might be I don't know the little little too much, but um, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. You know what I mean? Like if you have like a kind of a black car and then black seats, it's just, I don't know. It's a little. It gets into a little like to to uh, uber black car for you. Yeah. There we go. All right. Um. Well, cool. I'm gl- I'm glad that's working out for you, and I'm glad you're still buying American. Of course, yes. Imported from Michigan. <laughs> no, that's uh, Chrysler. No, I know. It's a great slogan <laughs> for a crappy car company. It, 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 actually, uh, it actually is a really great slogan. Yeah. That was my, uh, that was my first car. You, you knew this about me. Oh, you had the Michael Scott car. <laughs> the Chry- Chrysler Sebring, yeah. Uh, good times. Yeah, we had... Um, uh, it was it was the first year they made them, 1996. That was the <laughs> the, the the year that I had, and uh, you know I you know I don't I don't frequently swear on the show, but um, that car that car was a piece of shit. <laughs> it was uh, I mean it was it was a cool car, but did it get a lot of repairs? Oh yeah, I mean it. it, it, it oh gosh, so the, the two the two things it had were what was it was it black st- or was it gold? You gotta refresh my memory. <laughs> it was black. Oh, okay, I could drive around. I could drive around a gold car. <laughs> And it was my mom's car before mine. She wouldn't have driven around in a gold car either. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it so it had a bunch of problems with the steering column. Like it, it would le- it would leak steering fluid frequently. <laughs> um, and then the other issue it had was something. Again, I'm I'm illustrating how little I know about cars. Something to do with like the spark plugs or something like was causing oil to like leak all over like the engine casing, which. It turns out it's not a, not a good thing, and that uh, that happened a couple of times, and in both occasions, well, the, the first time it happened, it was like a three thousand dollar repair or something, and then it, it happened again less than a year later, and then that was uh, that was where I made the decision to uh, move on. Ugh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Ugh. Good times. <laughs> I'm not so I'm not a car person, but the thing you that do, I don't do like want from a car causing the engine to soak in oil. I, I, no, it's understandable. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Now you, I just I want my car to be reliable, and you know I'm I'm not generally the type to buy like extended warranties. Like I'm not I'm not just you know completely opposed to them on principle. I just generally choose just not to. Um, but with cars, I do because I just like if something goes wrong. Well, it's just not I your gotta, specialty. I, I, yeah, exactly. I don't like. I don't want to think about it. I I don't want to have to like go between various shops to try to figure out who can fix what. Like, I just want to take it to the dealership, be under warranty, and you know, be done with it. I can completely understand that sentiment. Smart yeah. move. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be new new car buying time uh, probably in probably in September. Very nice. Yeah. But Fiesta is still still chugging along. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, it's a shame she never got a better name. Ah, Fiesta's a fun enough name. 
It's the most fun. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, all right. <laughs> what other non-Apple news do we have? Um, well, I don't know. You could, you tell me. It's been a lot of. Well, I mean, we'll see. So we we should we should tell the folks that we've we've been having some uh, some Skype trouble, to put it lightly, this evening. We'll we'll see. We'll see how good my editing skills are and kind of piecing this thing back together. But um, from what I can remember, we, we've primarily been talking about Apple stuff. So sure. um, I, I agree that we do, we should come up with something else. But I guess I'll ask it like a throwaway topic from like something I linked to earlier. Are you, uh, would you ever say you're an audiophile or do you like have any preference on the quality of music you listen to other than like noise isolation or cancellation? No, not, not particularly. Okay. Do you think you can tell the difference between like a 128k MP3 and like a like a good quality audio file? Or probably not. No, probably not. Like sometimes I feel like I can tell the difference in like podcast audio quality, but I feel like a lot of times that's more about like the microphones being used and less about. Well, I think it's just because the, talk, the talk show the always file. sounds awful. <laughs> and also, what was that? What was the show that you really wanted me to listen to? Grantland. That one always sounded horrible. Yeah, the unfortunately a lot of the the sports centric Grantland podcasts don't don't sound very good. Um, so yeah, I, I think the issue there is more of the input method and less about like the encoding of the file. Gotcha. Anyway, well, NPR had a a cool little quiz where you can see like uncompressed wave files, three twenty k MP threes, and one twenty eight, and it just proves that nobody knows uh, what the hell they're talking about with uh with respect to um, audio quality. So it's a, it's a fun thing to search for in case you ever want to see. I picked wrong five out of six times. So <laughs> good job, me. Yeah, I, I would imagine I'd, I'd be kind of the same way. Yeah. has some Jay-Z in it. That's a, there are two samples from Jay-Z, so you might like the quiz. Hmm. Yeah, I probably would. Because you, you went to the, uh, to the what was it, the Watch the Throne, or was it the other one? I, no, I, did, I didn't go to that one. I, oh, you went I to went the Justin to... Timberlake Jay-Z one. That's, that's right. And then I went to the Jay-Z Beyonce concert. So I've seen Jay-Z twice. Yeah. You got to see Bay. Mm-hmm. Queen, Queen Bay. Is that a thing? That's, that's, her, that's her nickname, yeah. Oh. That was Miss Knowles. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's, let's Miss, get back. Miss, Miss, Miss Carter now. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so it, is Beyonce on other streaming services, or does she go title only as well? <laughs> um... I want to that say must be that a weird conversation like, between husband and wife. Hmm. I want to say she's on like Spotify. I'm I'm pretty sure I've listened to her there. Can't I can't say for sure though. It's been a while. Gotcha. And on a really quick tangent, do you have any interest in like whatever Apple turns Beats into? Like, do you yeah, even care, sure. or are you pre- are you pretty content with Spotify? Um, I feel like I'm pretty content with Spotify, but I I also don't um like what could Apple do better or differently. I don't feel like I I don't feel like I love Spotify. Um I, I guess Can you put your finger me, on what, I, what bugs you about it? Or No, I, I guess well I guess it I guess it's the apps. Like I especially the iPhone app. I, I just I don't I don't find the user interface of the Spotify iPhone app to be very good. So I think like a, a better a better user interface for me would go a long way. Okay. Um I don't. I don't really know. I, I'm not a user face designer, user interface designer. User so I mean, <laughs> how would I? How would I know? But um, 
yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I guess, I guess, it, it kind of like I'm interested in what they're going to announce, but like I, I'd, I'd be surprised if I like instantly felt compelled to switch to it. Yeah, I mean, based on what iTunes Radio turned into, I don't have a ton of high hopes for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind, I kind of stick with what I've said in the past on the show, which is I feel like between Spotify and Pandora, I'm just, I'm, I'm pretty content with my my music choices your heart's full yeah exactly i i i'm inclined to agree yeah i mean i have my own like traditional music library inside the music app which gets synced with itunes match but i think if you try to vary up the sources too much it's um it becomes too much work so yeah speaking of uh pandora stations though did you know that um pandora curates their own stations (laughs) uh, by genre I, I, I did know a little bit about this, yes. And do you know that, unfortunately, uh, I won't tell you why, but I was looking for an R&B love song station. <laughs> oh, um, mm-hmm. And apparently there is a Drake-centric uh, station called uh, Beats Between the Sheets. And oh, boy. Re- <laughs> and uh, if, if you have any pull, I'd recommend uh, emailing support or something. I'm trying to get that. <laughs> Actually, you know, come come to think of it, I have heard of that station before. I I, I had forgotten that it was um, Drake, but I, I the name I, I I have heard of that before. If I if I remember correctly, that was being promoted during uh, the Valentine's Day period. <laughs> do do with do with that what you will. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, the, with that kind of stuff, I mean, the the whole thing with Pandora, right? Is it's it's you're personalizing. So I think you know out of the box as you would say with these genre stations you know i i don't know if they're going to be a home run right off the bat but with a little bit of customization that's uh you know again as you would say that that's where the magic is most definitely the disney station highly recommended oh absolutely just start with the lion king do a little customization it's uh it's a feel-good experience every time I, i completely agree all right i guess we can go back to apple stuff so do you yeah, I feel, do like, you, I feel like we kind of have to. Do you want to tackle like a WWDC preview or do you want to maybe take on like an iOS 9 wish list? Well, I, th- I think we can do both. I think they're related, right? Okay. Um, Good. So I think that the, the WWDC stuff is, um, I, I think the only thing that we haven't really gotten to on the show, because we, we, we talked a little bit about it on, on, the, on the previous show, but um, you know, since then, it's, it's basically been confirmed. I mean, this, this just reeks of a controlled leak with the way it came out. Um, it seems like we're not going to be seeing a new Apple TV at WWDC. You know, two weeks ago, the last time we recorded it, it was almost a foregone conclusion that we would and that there'd be some type of subscription service and all this. But it's since come out that that subscription service just isn't ready, that Apple's still negotiating content deals. And um, it seems that either related to that or maybe because the hardware itself wasn't ready, um, we're, we're not going to see any, any new uh, Apple TV stuff. Which I guess, you know, this shouldn't be much of a surprise based on the way that I've talked about it in the past. Um, I guess I'm not really that heartbroken by that. Like, I am I continue to be fairly content with my Apple TV. Yeah, I'm not sure really what a new box would do for people unless new software is being held up due to processing power constraints. Because I do think the software needs an overhaul in, in the sense that there are just so many weird little icons for content providers i have little to no interest in and even though i've gone and hidden most of them there's like a there's like three new ones every week um 
But I do think it needs a bit of a user interface rethink just because it's becoming a more complicated product. But the fact that there's no new hardware, I, I don't really know unless it was going to switch to like a Bluetooth remote or something better. I don't really see what that's going to add. Or I don't see that as a huge miss. Yeah, I guess, you know, like, it's, particularly with, like, being able to use your iPhone as a remote, like, I, I've never really found the user input to be all that limiting. Um, the, the one thing I, I am curious about with a, with a new Apple TV would be, like, third-party apps and potentially what those would be used for. Um, like, I mean, presumably games would be a part of that and some other things. I, I just, I'd be curious to see what developers did with that. I, I feel like there could be some kind of neat stuff there. Do you think that would be a wide open marketplace or do you think it would be continue to be kind of the Apple approved and curated thing? No, I think, I think that would be, I think that'd be wide open. I think that would base. I mean, I think that'd basically just be like the um, app store on, uh, on the iPhone. And do you think you'd browse the App Store on the Apple TV, or would that be more of like an Apple Watch situation where it's installed from the phone? Well, that's a good question. I, I would I would picture it being installed natively on the device. Okay. Do you give any um, uh, any significance or uh, attention to the rumors of uh, like a redesigned remote? Like, do you think the remote's still cutting it these days? The five or like the little directional pad and the menu button and the infrared. I know, um, but I think that, you know, with the ability to use your phone or your iPad as a controller. Do you think everyday folks are using that? I don't know. Like out of 10, like above people who own an Apple TV, do you really think, okay, wow, I'm really big on 10 today. Um, Do you think most people are using that? I would say maybe one out of 10 people know that you can do that. Um, Yeah, I, I guess I don't. I don't really even know that many people who have Apple TVs, to be honest. Seriously, um, I assume everybody has an Apple TV. No, I mean, I, I know like a if you own an iPhone, people. I think you have to. I, I mean, I kind of feel that way too, but um, no, I, I don't. I don't have a lot of friends or family who have an Apple TV, so I, I don't have a very good sense of um, you know how. Do they have Roku or, or do they just not yeah. have any type of streamer box? No, other type of streaming boxes. Ro- Ro- I know quite a few people who have Roku boxes. Really? Um, I have friends who use just like their gaming consoles as like, you know, their Netflix box. Um, but yeah, no, hmm. not, not a lot of people with Apple TVs. Um, but I, I, w- I would not be surprised if um, a lot of people didn't know about or just chose not to use, you know, their, their phone or, or tablet as the controller. Okay, so sorry to detract. So, okay, so no, no new Apple TV hardware. Sorry, back to WWDC. Uh, yeah, so it, it seems like everybody's now, you know, huddling up around iOS 9, next version of OS 10 or Mac OS, or we, there's just been some scuttlebutt over what they're going to call it. Um, but not that that, I don't think that really even matters, but whatever the next version of the operating system you run on your Mac is. Um, and then a new version of WatchKit with, with native, native native watch apps. So that, that seems to be the like kind of three big things that we're going to see. Um, so do you want to, I don't know, do you want to maybe talk about anything that hasn't been said so far with like the watch and then the, you know, Mac OS and then transition into kind of iOS 9, which I think will tie into sort of our iOS 9 wish list? No, I mean, just overall, I, I'm I'm interested to see what happens with whatever OS 10.10.11, or wait, or 10.11. It, 
I was having hard, a hard time last show saying that I get 10, 10 11. I don't, I don't know how you say it. So whatever that's going to end up being, because, because again, uh, uh, Apple's on this weird artificial one year release cycle for operating systems, even though uh, Yosemite is only on like 10.10.2, right? Anyway. Um, so I'm interested to see how that goes and see if they're, they're going to take an iron out the bugs release approach to this. And also I'm just really interested to see what happens with iOS 9. Because again, the watch SDK thing um, does very little for me, unless it ends up being like they, they unless they say we know it's buggy and it's all going to be fixed in one point one, which I don't think there's a planet where they would ever actually say that. So, for me, I guess it's all about iOS nine, since uh, the iPhone is generally my most most used computing device. Yeah, I I agree. Um, you know, even though I have a Mac that I use full time now, I. Yeah, I, I still feel like I'm much more interested in what they're going to do with with iOS. But I guess, you know, in, in some ways, it's almost it's almost harder to talk about those three different... Because I guess really what we're talking about is just three different operating systems um, between the watch, computer, and phone. And it's it's actually getting harder to talk about those in isolation. Because I, I, I would imagine a big part of what we see next week is the continuing integration between those three. Oh, God help us. No, I don't mean it. I don't mean it in the sense of like converging UI and all of that. I just I mean things like, you know, bettering handoff and you know, just just in general the way the devices interact with one another. I'd be fine if WWDC just said we fixed uh, turning on personal hotspot. <laughs> well, I and I think I you know I that seems to be what a lot of people are expecting is we're going to see a lot of emphasis on not necessarily new features but kind of just general bug fixing and improvement very much like we've seen with you know snow leopard mountain lion and i guess with ios has there really been like a release of ios that's been focused on just bug fixes there hasn't been like the snow leopard of ios yet has there i thought that was ios 6 and also kind of ios 8 because ios 5 was the one that introduced icloud right Right. And I think iOS 6 was generally just a refinement on that. And then they also introduced Notification Center when they, when they ripped off that whole Android thing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess there kind of has been. But I, I, th- I, think, that's, I think that's what we're going to see. I, I'm very hopeful for that. And I, I wish that, like, I mean, if everything about iOS 8 was just a little bit tighter, I think I'd be really happy with that. Like the Touch ID integration of iOS uh, or with iOS third-party applications still leaves a bit to be desired. Um, notifications, I really want there to be um, like a priority notification setting for something where I don't have to turn off notifications for every, basically every single app because there are still some I would like to get some from, but I don't want that getting um, like making noise or doing a whole lot of stuff there. I don't know. I think there's just a lot of stuff that could be um, tightened up. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I I think that's that's where the uh, the emphasis is going to be. So what what do you what do you think the the time split is between um, iOS OS ten and the watch? I bet it. Assuming that those three are like the whole pie, I I assume that we see like uh, fifteen. Ten, let's call it ten percent Mac OS. Like forty percent iOS and like half watch. Really? Yeah, 
It's just because I think with the watch, they're going to make a big deal about native apps. And that's going to be like the one really big new thing between all three OSs they're going to have. Because I just don't, I think with the kind of small features and just kind of bug fixes that we're going to see with iOS and Mac OS or OS 10, like I just, I don't think there's going to be as much to talk about there. And I, I think the watch is really where their focus is going to be. And do you think there's any? Do you think there's any um, admission that the watch has been anything but like a complete success? Ah, eh, Federighi may come out and crack a joke. He's been kind of doing that lately. But do you think they'll say we know it's 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 uh it's been rough around the edges, or any of that? Yeah, kind of stuff? I, I would I wouldn't be surprised if they did. That that has been the Apple way the last couple of years. They they've been much more um, open about that kind of thing. I don't think there was ever like an apology or or a, like a mention that iOS seven was a mess. Maybe I'm just misremembering, but I think they'll talk about it. Um, but um, I mean, I think they'll talk about it very positively. But I, I think they'll. I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, say say kind of a just kind of a little nod at like, hey, yeah, we know there's things that need to be fixed. Well, let's let's move on to our our iOS nine wish list. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I got most of mine out of the way uh, in that past one, which is just greater reliability, a better way of tweaking notifications. Well, I, actually, I'll, I'll ask, how do you deal with, um, like, do you still have the Economist Espresso on your uh, on your phone? I do. Do you leave notifications on for that? No. So do you just check it on your own, or do you maybe re- only read it, like, once a week? Um, well, I have kind of a routine where, like, in the morning when I'm on my way to work, I'll usually read through it. What uh, what what makes you what makes you think of that in terms of your no iOS nine wish list? There are um, like certain apps where they generally get like push notifications like once a day. Like I use an app called TimeHop, which I really really like, um, and a few other things that are generally like daily notifications. And I have generally had to turn off all notifications so I don't have like a pesky badge icon when like there's a morning where I don't want to deal with it. But I would like if iOS 9 had some type of like where you can say like secondary notifications or something that's less important. I don't know if they're, how you'd implement that, but that's that's a, a weird request that I have. Yeah, I think my my big one is, yeah, not- just making notifications more granular and just making the whole setup process behind notifications better like gerber's talked a little bit about this and i you know i don't i don't know if this is even possible or what this would look like but it would be really great if somehow notification center dynamically sort of could figure out the types of notifications you were interested in and i I don't know how it would do that based on like the you know the obvious thing would be like based on the amount of time you spend in a particular app um, like, I don't know, I don't exactly know, you know, what that would be, but you know, you know what I mean? Something like that, where notification setup just became a lot more automated and intuitive. I agree, kind of. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. I don't think time spent, like, I, I don't, I don't think what you're suggesting would work just in the sense that I, I don't think developers or like could reasonably count on a system where push notifications were judged on their level of importance in terms of how, like whether or not it's going to make it to the user just because they don't use the app that much. I mean, I think that's tricky, 
but I do wish there were like customizations where the operating system one that it would sync notifications better between the watch, your iPad, your Mac, and the iPhone. Like I think it's still kind of a mess when you're using messages across multiple devices where like synchronizing deletions and red messages and all that kind of stuff where you don't get like a cascade of notifications across three different devices. I think that needs to be addressed a little bit better. And I think there needs to be a way for the phone to maybe understand certain notifications are less important and should maybe expire after a period of time. So you don't get that thing where you go into notification center and there's just like, you have to just have to hit it like that X like 20 times for apps you don't care about. I don't know. I think it's a difficult problem to solve and that's why it really hasn't been done yet. Hmm. Yeah. I, I just, if, if, if it is, if it doesn't come through the, the form of some type of automated process, then just, just some way to make notifications a lot more intuitive. And I think the, you know, the, the watch has really highlighted the need for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, still a tricky problem to solve. Cause I actually think iOS, um, treats notifications in a very unApple like way in the sense that they're are a ton of options related to each application and how you can be notified. Like you can toggle sounds, badges, which way in uh, you're notified about um, a notification, how many things can live in notification center, whether or not that gets pushed to your Apple Watch. So I think there's more options than Apple generally ever wants to allow already. So I I don't know, it's a, it's a super tricky and complicated problem to solve. It is because I, I totally agree with that, but it notifications still still feel too limited, even with all those sort of unApple like options. So do there need to be different options or do there need to be more options? I think I, I, I think different options. Because yeah, like when you go into notification center in the settings app, I mean it's it's just a it's a mess. It's just it, it's a maze. Um just, there just need there needs to be some way to to well actually make that better. that's a very good point in the sense that so if we go to settings on our phone and then we go to notifications the way in which like the applications I understand why they're sorted the way they are but they're not sorted in any particular way so if you want to try to find the application you want to modify like maybe I just have too many apps but first you have to see if you allow notifications or not and then you have to go find it by name. And it's sorted based on like the date of install. Like that whole screen is just a, a complete mess. And that's something they eventually do have to redesign or, or figure out. Right. I guess maybe maybe that's the, the word that kind of summarizes what I'm trying to say is redesign. A redesign of notifications and notification center. Um. And then the other the other thing I'd, I'd really like to see, which I, I want to say that it's Jason Snell who I had kind of heard this from. I can't remember exactly where, but the idea of having sort of Apple Watch, watch face complications on your uh, lock screen on your phone. So you mean like persistent notifications that happen to function like widgets? Right, yeah. But isn't that what the Today View is? Well, it is, but it it's not on your lock screen. But I thought the whole point of the Apple Watch was to not ever look at your lock screen. <laughs> no, I, I'm being serious. No, I yeah, no, I, th I think that that's kind of an interesting point. Um, 
and it does does feel like if they did come out with something like that it would be a little redundant with what the watch is trying to do um but i still feel like maybe you could do different types of complications on your lock screen um just because of the fact that you have a significantly bigger screen to work with perhaps yeah i guess i i'm i'm not i've never understood the appeal of widgets on the phone like the people who say that Android has that on top of iOS, I don't really see um, the big appeal of that. Just because notification, or sorry, today's screen widgets have already been uh, like very limited and not in, uh, tremendously useful. Where I think more so timely notifications are perhaps more useful. Yeah, actually, I meant to, I had meant to ask you about this a little while ago. Um... Do you use any widgets in your notification center on a regular basis? No. The only one I have is Launcher Pro or whatever that thing is. Is that literally the only one that you have like visible? Well, I mean, I have the one that shows you the date and the time or the 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 date and uh the weather and like how long it takes you to drive home. Oh, like the the today the the, the today view. Yeah. Like I'll put a I'll put a picture in the Slack, but it, it's pretty sparse because I tried a whole lot of them, but they were all just so like they were, and I, I know it's Apple's fault or, or limitations that makes it not very um, useful, but none of them just really do anything that's easier than just opening the app. Kind of a recurring theme with the Apple Watch. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so my, yeah. my view is up there in, uh, in Slack. So I think I just have a pin drop and I have a, uh, that what is what is pin drop uh just if you have a look like you remember in the old apple maps application where you could drop pins and save them yeah yeah it, it's that hmm so so i enjoy that if there's ever a place uh, like i'm either hiking or someplace i want to go back to for some reason and it doesn't really have a place name uh, it's a nice place to uh kind of store all that kind of stuff hmm yeah i, I, I like this setup i think i'm gonna switch to something like this yeah um again yeah, those are kind of those are kind of the only two like main features i i think of with with ios 9 that i really want other than that i just i, I think just general bug fixes cleaning up of icloud and hand to hand off and all that kind of stuff that's that's mostly what i want to see do you have any requests uh for siri integration with third-party apps or do you think that's um too messy to be worthwhile i i don't use siri so i and i i don't think a lack of third-party support is the reason i don't use siri so i'm, I'm kind of neutral on that well you got to use siri for the OmniFocus. oh well let's let's close with that yeah but um yeah i don't know i like i think like if i was able to integrate siri with like OmniFocus lists or that kind of stuff or if i could tell it which pandora station i wanted or I could say, like, play the most recent episode of something, but using Instacast. I think, like, I end up using Siri more than um, most, I guess. Yeah, maybe. And I, I guess it does kind of finally feel like time where that should happen. Like, I think we've always felt that that was coming at some point, but the argument's been, well, you know, Siri's still new and Apple's working out the kinks. It does kind of feel like now now's the time where they they could do that. Yeah, and yeah, just for me, better, better touch ID support. 
because it still it feels just not as good as it could be with um, with Dropbox and One Password and other applications that you secure with a Touch ID. What um what do you feel like the gaps are with something like One Password? I just wish that like you could tap open the application and if you just let your finger rest on the home button, it would just acknowledge it. Mm, I I know what you're saying. Instead of waiting for that window to pop up and exactly, just in the sense like where like if I wake up my phone by pressing the home button and I just rest my finger there, like I don't have to do anything else. It just knows that it was there. And Evernote seems to get confused if because Evernote's a kind of a slow loading application. If you hold it at the wrong period of time, you have to force close the application because that Touch ID authentication window never goes away. One, one password that used to happen with one password that they, they issued an update some time back that actually specifically addressed that and it's it's been okay since then for me but yeah and i know what you're talking about it's just minor stuff like that where it could be a little bit better and just a little bit tighter all around well hopefully that is uh that's what we'll see yeah or or they release a, a macbook one with a usable keyboard Un- unlikely yeah, I don't think I. I don't. Let, let's close on this then with the WWDC thoughts. Uh, any new hardware? You think? No. Yeah, I I agree. I think the Apple TV was the one and only thing we were going to see, and now we're not going to see that. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's. You want to close the show with uh, this omni-focus topic that I had? Sure. Go for it. Yeah. So I I asked you a, a comment uh, or asked you a, a question, um, in the in the Slack which is, I think, you know, applicable to me and, and maybe some other, other folks, which is, you know, you've talked about how you use OmniFocus and you really like it. And I've, for a while, felt that Reminders is pretty good, but I've always felt like there's been a little bit of a area where Reminders just doesn't quite capture what I'm looking to do. Um, but I, I guess I find the idea of getting started with OmniFocus sort of daunting, and I, I don't even actually know, like, where I would start. Um, I mean, I think you should uh, just uh, start with it. You have to, I think you have to go all in. Um, so OmniFocus Pro, or, well, there's two editions of OmniFocus on the Mac. You can either do Standard or Pro. I'd recommend doing Pro if you're going to really dive in, um, and I think that's, like, 80 bucks. Um. And then you just download the iOS app, which as of a couple months ago is now universal across iPhone and iPad, and just start using it. Because it's it's a very like deep and sometimes needlessly complex application, but you can make it as fiddly or as simple as you want it to be. And the syncing is uh, top-notch. It's very, very full-featured, and um, it works for you regardless of how you yourself decide to use it. So I guess a couple of questions. First is when you first got started with it, which I'm I'm guessing is some time ago now. Like 2009-ish. Um, like, do you remember sort of how, how you got started? Um, No, I think like Merlin or somebody recommended it. And I just needed like a better to-do system. Because I don't know, like I'm a terrible person where in the old days, and actually still today, like because I'm not super disciplined in using it all the time. Like sometimes when I just have stuff to do, I'll just open like a TextMate document and I'll just do a bunch of bullet points of stuff I need to do and I won't ever formalize it. Um, but that it was just a way of graduating up from that. So where I have like all my like billing arrangements uh, listed in it. I have like an, uh, a project called Day Planner, which is just kind of a substitute for the reminders application of just stuff I want to do that day. I have one for like weekly events. 
I have stuff for like correspondence of people I need to email or things I need to do, shopping lists, uh, work-related stuff, long-term projects. So it's flexible and broad enough to be able to support all of those types of things. It's just how you decide to um, implement it. Yeah, I'm looking at the the website. They actually seem like they have a pretty extensive um, selection of videos. So maybe this is um, maybe this is a good place to start. They do, but I mean, a lot of it again is just trying it. And also, um, do you know who David Sparks is? I do. D Sparks. Yeah. So he um, has something called the OmniFocus Field Guide, which I bought a while ago. Most of it was stuff I already knew, but it's actually a pretty um, cool hour and a half introduction to OmniFocus um, that it covers from the very start all the way up through the most advanced features of it and kind of like the whole getting things done concept. Um, And I think it's really worth the 10 bucks. So I'd give that a shot if you're feeling lost with it. Okay. And so so my second question was going to be sort of just how, how do you use it? Like what, what, what are, what are some of like the typical tasks that you that you manage in 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 omnifocus um well actually let me i'll I'll send you a partial screenshot of this and that'll make it easier um but i mean for me it's just it's just throwing everything in there so you get your inbox where just if you have to like capture some stuff really quickly um you can do that and then you can sort it at a later date which is the whole like point of um getting things done so i mean how, how do you manage tasks right now well, it's really just through reminders. So I, I use I use reminders through Fantastical, and you know <clears throat> when when I when something comes to mind that I you know need to do, um, and if I can't you know kind of do it right away, then um, you know I keep it as a I, I, keep, I mark it as a reminder. And then I guess the other thing that I do too is I treat my email inbox as sort of like a to do list. Oh, that 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 makes my stomach. Well, I don't, Maybe you know, you're more disciplined I, than I, but I don't know. For me, like that's really tough because I've tried to take like the inbox zero approach and only leave stuff there. But then I get like once I have like maybe five or more people I have to get back to or five things I'm like or, or like just a number of things I'm currently tracking, that just always makes me anxious because it's just like something I have to deal with all the time where I can't just file it away until it's more relevant. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I do follow Inbox Zero pretty closely. I mean, I, it's there are times where I get behind, but for the most part, you know, I, I stay on top of it, and I find that it usually works pretty well for me. Um, and just so, just to be kind of clear, like OmniFocus doesn't it doesn't take the place of like your email or or your calendar, right? Or or kind of does it. No, it, it, it doesn't, but it has a couple of really cool features. So if you open up the screenshot I sent you, there's um, a couple of cool things about it. So if you go into the forecast view, um, it shows you all of your to-dos and events that have due dates or deferral dates. And it also overlays that on top of your um, integrated calendars. So you can see when you can assign things. So no, it doesn't take place of the calendar but it's aware of your calendar and makes it easier for you to manage the tasks that you do and kind of um, link them to events that you have like in your calendar. So I think that's nice. And it also does link to reminders, not that you would probably continue to use that, but you can. Hmm. 
And what I'm I'm looking at the difference between standard and pro, and um, I don't know. It seems like the the stuff about the pro. So it's, I guess it's, maybe I don't. So it's all about custom perspectives. So if you go to the screenshot I sent you, basically everything underneath flagged uh, on the very left bar is a custom perspective. So like let's say you start using OmniFocus a lot and you throw everything in the world into it. Um, you can use customs perspectives to kind of um, only show you, like, if you want to use it for just, like, work-related tasks or, like, personal projects, it allows you to only look at the stuff and see the projects that are relevant to you at that one point in time, and it hides everything else away, which I find and to does, be fairly easy and, and powerful. And does it do that through, like, your location, or, like, how does that work? Well, so you can create perspectives this is gonna be a little bit like dense but you can either do it based on projects or contexts so with projects or like individual items you can say that you can give assign it a context which it could be either like a location like you can say i have to be at the office to do this or i need like a computer with internet connection and like a certain application so you can tag things as like having a certain context and you can either create a perspective for that context or for a project so I know that probably sounds okay. like just a mess, but no, I think I think that that makes sense. Yeah, so that kind of stuff is 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 once you have like a system in place, ends up being fairly powerful. Like because if I'm just doing bills or if I'm looking at work stuff, seeing like my shopping lists and my like general to do lists or like the aspirational stuff I want to do, just just is a distraction. And have you uh, have you been using the? Uh, looks like they're really promoting the the new Apple Watch app they have. Um, it's, it's not great. <laughs> Just like all of them. Yeah. I mean, it's nice in the sense that like, if you get a notification, I mean, their, their notification support just because it piggybacks on, um, the rich notifications that you already get in iOS. Um, you can snooze and dismiss and defer events that come due, but the actual, um, Apple watch app is still kind of just pretty junky. Hmm. But like you said, that uh, that could be said about uh, any. Pretty much all of them. Like even even the. Yeah. Um, oh, I just tried out the fantastical fantastical app for the first time, which looks way better than the built-in one. Yeah. But the load times are. Ugh. They're really bad. That's the tricky part, and also like with respect to watch apps, like the MLB at bat app is fantastic, but it just never loads. Anyway. Yeah. All right, so I would recommend uh, download. The, uh, I think the trial automatically gives you the pro thing. Just give it a shot for a couple of weeks. Just throw a whole bunch of stuff into it and maybe buy that field guide thing and uh, see how it goes. Yeah, no, that it that seems, seems like kind of the way to go. I mean, I guess the only thing you're missing with the trial is the, the iOS part, but... Well, I think that's probably worth gambling 30 bucks on. No, I think the, the pro version there is actually like... How much was that? I think it was more than that. 60. What? Seriously? Yeah, 59.98 for the pro version. OmniFocus for iOS. Jiminy. Yeah, so all all in on the pro thing, you know, you're looking at gosh, 140, wow. yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, okay. I mean, I, I That's you know, a Saturday I'm not, of I'm not <laughs> Right. I'm you know, it's I'm been not I'm not entirely not entirely opposed to that price just on principle but no no it's just yeah omni's stuff is ugh, it's it's unfortunately pricey well i mean 
you know, you, you get what you pay for, as you're, you know, known for saying. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, great. Uh, thank you for that. Um, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably check out the 14 day free trial and kind of see how that goes. Yeah, give it a try. Yeah. All right. Any parting uh, thoughts? Yeah. Or go ahead. No, no. I was, I was going to ask you the same thing. Yeah. Any parting thoughts for the week? No, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the keynote. Um, I know you'll, you'll be there live. So, um, <laughs> looking, looking forward to your, uh, your live blog. Yep, I won't be doing anything for WWDC week except uh, just watching the keynote. Yeah, I, I think that's, um, that's kind of what I'll be doing too. Yeah. All right. All right, man.